Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. You are listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction Blog Talk Radio Show, founded to increase the national awareness of black women in the construction industry. NABWIC is the charge and takes the charge for black women to advocate for further opportunities to its members. Our mission as a core foundation is to strengthen the building blocks of new educational, entrepreneurial, professional, and social network connections. The vision of NABWIC is to build long-lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that will provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in construction and their respective communities. We invite you to call or text or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Good morning. You are listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction blog talk radio show, founded to increase the national awareness of black women in the construction industry. NABWIC is the charge and takes the charge for black women to advocate for further opportunities to its members. Our mission as a core foundation is to strengthen the building blocks of new educational, entrepreneurial, professional, and social network connections. The vision of NABWIC is to build long-lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that will provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in construction and their respective communities. We invite you to call or text or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Good morning. This is Ursula Odom, your host for Navwick Talks, and today I have a wonderful guest with me, Ms. Pamela McCoy, and she's going to talk with us about women in finance. And who is she? Well, she's the founder of C- and CEO of Bonafide Credit Consultants, LLC, which provides real solutions toward financial capability education to, edu- to organizations, large or small, and their personal money management tools equip organizations, individuals, and community members with the knowledge necessary to make key monetary improvements, which help to develop healthier, more vibrant, stress-free lives. Bonafide personal management sessions are designed to provide an in-depth understanding of financial risk as well as resources and practical application of improved financial capability education. Well, Ms. McCoy has more than 28 years of experience, so guess what? She knows what she's talking about, and I can't wait to hear about it. She's also a part of the 
African American Advisory Council in Tampa, Florida, as the Economic Stability Chair. So she can share a little bit of something-something. <laughs> Welcome, Ms. McCoy. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. So tell us a little bit about who you are and how did you get to this point of of having this knowledge or even being motivated to learn it. Where did you come from? Well, um, I reign from a small town. <laughs> I'm actually from Goldsboro, North Carolina, is what we refer to as home. Um, I am what is affectionately known as a military brat, meaning my dad was Air Force, so moved around and got to see the world. Um, and ironically enough, my dad was Air Force, both my brothers were Academy grads, and then I married Air Force. So moving around and reacclimating myself in new cultures and communities and all of that has kind of just been my way of life. Um, my degrees from North Carolina State University in business management with a concentration in economics. I then, after graduation, worked for Sears, went through their man- management training program, which was about 18 months. And in that program, you literally learned everything about running a business. So from the CEO right down to the janitor who ordered the toilet paper for the facility. So all encompassed um, training program. And so in that, had the opportunity to manage actually all aspects of the credit business. So I've done underwriting, I've done customer service, I've done the collection end of the business and of course collections encompasses you know fraud and probate and all of those things as well so I did that for about a little under 10 years I guess then left there went to service merchandise corporate headquarters which at that time was in Tennessee and I was on the policy side so at that point I was actually writing policy and procedure related to the credit side of the business and did that for about a year or so and then left there and landed here in Tampa, Florida at a DeNovo bank. They had just gotten their charter in May, and I joined in November. So at that point, we didn't even have any accounts or customers on the books or anything at that point. But as you can see, my background prepared me perfectly for that in that, of course, when you're starting out, we need a policy procedure on how we were going to do things in the bank on the credit side and, of course, then actually being able to manage. So, again, had the opportunity to do all aspects of the business on the banking side. So even though it was all credit, the first two um, professional um, assignments were on private label, what was referred to private label, and then, of course, at the bank it was bank card. Um, we were a Visa MasterCard issuer and purchasing portfolios, et cetera. So got to build that bank from the ground up, and I was at that bank for 15 of my almost now 30 years in the industry. Um, awesome exi- assignment. My last position there was vice president of collections recovery and fraud, which included probate as well. And uh, kick butt and took names, as they would say, because if you know, <laughs> when you talk about collections, it's a male-dominated field, much like construction. So that's, we parallel in that regard. And so, you know, the challenges that come with being in a male-dominated industry and having to prove yourself and and all of that, and, and of course, in my case, it was a double minority because I'm also (laughs) African-American, so African-American female in a male-dominated industry Mm -hmm. did present its challenges, but nonetheless, 
with God all things are possible, and I was successful in my endeavors and all that I did and had various positions in that 15 years with the bank. So um, kind of back at, I guess, around 2008 or so um, is when I started getting this inkling. So I actually started my company, Bonafide Credit Consultants, in 2008, and it was a weird kind of thing. It wasn't like, oh, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. Let's set out and start this business. It just kind of evolved, and it was a natural progression from what my background was professionally. Um, I would have people asking me, you know, to help them interpret their credit report and help them get out of debt and manage their monies and those kind of things, which, of course, is kind of what you do in collections. You know, everyone who is delinquent or in collections is not a deadbeat who set out to hustle the, the organization. Life just happened to the majority of those folks. And so all they need is a helping hand, someone to help them get out of this despair, give them a roadmap, give them some information that's going to aid them on this journey, this path to get out of debt. And so that's kind of what I did day in and day out. And so it was a natural progression. And so in 2008, I was getting it from all sides, people that I know asking me, oh, you need to do this because people need your help, to my pastor preaching a whole series on walking in your purpose. And <laughs> you go visit a church and the sermon just happened to be, you know, kind of in that same vein. And so in 2008, April, I acquiesced and Bonafide was born. Wow, so, nice. Now, I'm going to yeah. ask you a question that, that I'd like a stair-step response to. And okay. the question is, how are most, what's, what's most common when it comes to financial woes or trouble that people get into trouble? So answer it based on an individual person, mm-hmm. a small business, and then a large corporation. What typically gets them into trouble? Um, let's start with the individual, as you said. Individual, I think a lot of it has to do, we don't really think about it necessarily. What was your first introduction or encounter with personal money management, we'll call it. Um, and, And what I mean by that is how your parents or your household manage and dealt with money is typically how an individual will deal with or manage money in their adult life. So good, bad, or indifferent that's their point of reference. And so if your family or money manager at home didn't do a great job and you're used to collectors calling your house every night and blah, 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 you kind of are thinking this is the norm. This is just the way of life. And so, of course, in your adulthood, you know, make a debt, I'll get around to paying it when I get around to it, that kind of thing. So it's all about a mindset in really all three of those categories. And who is the decision maker in the entity, their mindset as it relates to money is usually fundamental in the outcomes, if you will. So, again, for individuals, a lot just depends on how you were raised and how you deal with money in your adult life. And I want to say in all of the um, areas that you mentioned, you know, it's not insurmountable to turn it around. And so when you find yourself in financial woes, you know, really it's about making up your mind. You know what, I'm in this situation. We need to assess what got you in the situation because we need to learn that lesson. But then you need to put together a plan to turn it around. And turning it around, again, is not insurmountable. It's kind of like, you don't know, are your issues tugboat 
kind kind of problems or are they titanic kind of problems? But nonetheless, <laughs> you can turn the boat around. It just it's going to require a little bit more if it's a Titanic as opposed to a tugboat kind of thing. You know, and in, when you're talking about small business and entrepreneurship, um, it's important to know that it's really kind of like this trickle thing, you know, uh, Moving forward, individually, when you're starting a business as an entrepreneur, the business is an idea. It's an entity. It's a thought. It doesn't have credit yet, right? And so if you're going down that path of entrepreneurship and you need capital, the decision is going to be based on your personal finance. And so, you know, again, so you're starting at the bottom of the rung, individual, we need to get our finances in order to move forward. And if that moving forward includes entrepreneurship, it's that much more important that you get your personal finances in order. And then, of course, some small businesses then convert and become corporations. But the fundamentals of money management are the same, whether it's personal money management or if it's corporate money management. You've got to make wise financial decisions. One thing is true for all of us. You can only spend the money one time. So once it's spent, it's gone. And so, again, going back to your mindset, what did you decide to spend that money on? You have to be strategic in what you spend, how you spend, when you spend, and why you're spending it. You know, is it something that can be delayed? Is it something, is it a need, is it a want, is it a desire kind of thing? And all of that's true from individual, small business, corporation. Wonderful. Um, one of the things you said reminded me of a couple of things, and I'll go with the, the the shortest one first, when you were mm-hmm. talking about the boat versus tugboats or ocean the liner. Titanic. Oddly <laughs> enough, I had just used an example a couple of days ago when somebody, we were talking about finances, and mm-hmm. the example that I gave, and I don't know where the heck it came from, I said, you know, if, if your boat is full and you add one more pound, it's going to take on water. <laughs> You know, right, right. <laughs> that one pound being helping somebody else out, you you know, you just barely care covering your own bills, and then somebody comes asking you for something, and 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 you you take on that too. Yeah, to sink mm-hmm. your boat. But <laughs> but the other thing oh, I was wow. thinking about too, when you were talking about um, how families manage, and it, it takes me back to almost. The luck of the draw, good fortune, timing, whatever it was. When my daughter was eight years old, people didn't know what to do in terms of Christmas gifts anymore. She was too big for a doll, and they didn't know what else to do, so they gave her money. Mm-hmm. And so I took her to the store, and she wanted a baby stroller for her doll. Mm-hmm. And because <laughs> she still was playing with dolls a little bit, right? And right. I, I said, okay. Anything your money can buy, you can get. I I will not judge. I don't care what you get, but if your money buys it, I'm all right with it. Mm-hmm. That girl went in that store and came out with every bit of her money. <laughs> right. Everything was not. It was everything was too expensive. Nothing was worth it. On the way home, there just happened to be a garage sale. She asked me to stop jumped out and got a real baby stroller and a real baby carriage for under ten dollars. Oh wow. See now that so that story funny. alone and is so important. 
both her her doll and after the doll was you know no longer interested, we had a little small puppy and that little dog rode around in the stroller for a long time. <laughs> but also yes. the, the the thing that that two more things about that about two years later or so because um, she did this two years in a row. Mm-hmm. She was sitting at the kitchen table and looking at the Christmas ad, and she looked at it and she said, Ma, I have enough money for this. And it was mm-hmm. a shelf stereo at the time. And, you know, they were right. pretty decent size at that point. Um, and I said, okay, that, your money, we can go get it. So we went to the store, and she, oh, the salesperson started talking to me. I said, no, I'm not your customer, she is. <laughs> and um, then he literally started talking to her. She looked at something pink, pressed the button. I mean, he said, okay, let's see what it takes to get into this. She put a CD in, and it took about three moves, and it shook. It was pink and pretty, all glitzy, right? He said, now mm-hmm. turn it up as loud as you can. And he said, forget mom's here. She said she's not the customer you are. She turned it up, it hissed and cracked and didn't sound very well. Then there was another one that was didn't have a whole lot of character to it. It was just a plain color. Mm-hmm. Right. She put the CD in that, pressed it, it played immediately, beautiful sound, and she bought it. When she went to college, <laughs> she said, Ma, I am so sick of this thing. <laughs> Because <laughs> it just refused to break. But wow. that was a good lesson. She saved her money, and she got another one just as a college gift because she had been such a good steward with that. And then mm-hmm. finally, because of that, one um, one day I was so proud of her when I realized when she was crying about being broke and how, you know, she just needed more money, and I realized from what she said was she cried broke when her checking account is broke. Her savings account was just fine. <laughs> right. But that's exactly examples it. of what I was referring to in your, your beginning, your your childhood, your environment, what was the feel and knowledge and understanding and all of that around money. That is an excellent example. She learned that from somewhere i.e. her environment, you know, her parents, her aunts, uncles, whoever were the money decision makers in her world. And we even think something as simple as when you were in that shopping cart in the grocery store as a little toddler, that was an exposure and experience, an educational moment that was just organic. You know, when you think back, you know, did your mom or dad or whoever it was did, did they pay for the items with cash or credit card? Did they write a check? Mm. Did they get everything? Did they put some things back? You know, did, did they go with a shopping list or do they just go shopping down the aisles and throwing things in? The, all those little things, there's no right or wrong, but those are life lessons that are organically transferred to a child about money. And so your daughter, being a wise consumer, okay, I'm going to test this one, you know, mm, even though it's prettier, it doesn't seem as sturdy, for lack of a better word. Let me try this other one. And so she has to make a choice. Do I want to, you know, one that's kind of flashy with color and a few bells and whistles, 
or am I looking for something that's more stable, that's going to last me longer? You know, because again, remember I said, each of us, one thing is true. We can only spend the money one time. And so she wants to get as much bang for her buck as possible. And so she's making those assessments. And even though she was a child at that time, I can assure you as an adult, you know, if I want a washing machine or refrigerator, whatever, all whatever, I, she's making those kind of thought-provoking comparisons, making an assessment, what am I getting for this dollar, you know, meaning my return on investment. So, again, even though it's an item in our personal life, it translates to the business world, return on investment, because it's really kind of the same. You know, one we just call product and the other one we call return on investment, but really they are the exact same thing. I'm going to exchange my hard-earned money for this thing. What am I getting in return? You know, when it's an item, am I getting stability? You know, is it going to work properly? All of those kind of things. In the business world, am I going to make more money on this money because I invested it in this thing kind of thing? And so excellent concept and, you know, Thank you for sharing that story because it just drives home what I was mentioning. And I I have a cousin who this year her son turned 13. And when I say I was so thrilled, the gift that she brought her son for his 13th birthday was an appointment with a financial advisor. Wow. So he took all of his birthday money and he had a meeting scheduled with a financial advisor. So now at 13, he has a financial advisor. And so he's going to start learning all of these terms and things and what investment means and return on investment and stocks and bonds and mutual funds and all of that from here to his adult life. And so he's going to learn these things so young that when he becomes an adult and adds some zeros to these dollars that he's giving his financial advisors, He's going to understand the process. You know, he's going to know how it works. He's going to know how to do his due diligence and homework on this whole thing we call investing, this whole thing we call working towards our retirement, our future, all of that. He's going to start learning that now at 13 years old. What an amazing gift. I told you, I mean, I'm just like, I was so thrilled, <laughs> you know, because of what I do. And I'm, more and more people need to do that. And I'm so happy to hear that. That is just absolutely wonderful. But guess what? We have someone that wants to ask the question of, of okay. you. Okay. And it's someone with the telephone number ending in 3828. Good morning. Uh, Your question. Good morning. How are you doing today, Ms. Ursula? Oh, I'm fine. How are you, Miss Jackie? Oh, I am doing wonderful, doing wonderful, and enjoying the show this morning. Thank you so much and uh, for your uh, special guest there. I do have a question, and uh, so many times you hear uh, people in the business world say regarding businesses that um, when you're building your business, that it's uh, better to use other people's money versus your own, mm-hmm. and so uh, it uh, typically infers, you know, to uh, you know, getting a, a loan. What's your philosophy regarding that statement when it comes to business? I, I agree wholeheartedly that it's always better to use someone else's money than your own because what you find sometimes with entrepreneurs, they start dipping into their four hundred one k. That's your future. 
that's your mm-hmm. you know to build this business and and so it's a catch twenty two because of course you're you're birthing this thing that you believe so strongly in and it's going to be a success and and it's going to produce great things and revenue and I'm going to put that money back and often it does happen that way but there's no guarantee that it will happen that way. And so when you're pulling the monies out of your future, i.e. your retirement planning for this venture, and it doesn't work out, now what? We don't stop aging. We don't stop the train moving towards retirement. And so that's why I highly recommend that you don't tap into that. And the other solution would be to borrow money. Well, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about your personal money management. Your personal finances have to be in order you know, with regards to your, you know, your debt to income, your risk score, all of those kind of things, so that you can qualify to use other people's money. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate that response. You are so welcome. And, you are so welcome. And thank you for your question, too. At this point, we're going to take a break, a commercial break, and come back with more questions and additional information. Alrighty. We are so excited to have you listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction Blog Talk Radio Show. Please call, text, or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash NABWIC or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to follow us by liking our page and post your questions or comments. NABWIC's intent is to always go into the high schools and colleges to encourage our young black girls and women to enter into the construction industry and to take interest into the STEM programs that are offered. We encourage you to listen to this show or past shows on the Internet by logging in at www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C. Thank you, and we're back. Okay, welcome back. This is Ursula Odom on NABWIC Talks, and I am speaking with Pamela McCoy about women and finances. And Pamela is the CEO of Bonafide Credit Consultants, LLC. Okay, one of the things I wanted to ask about is um, when you're planning money management for corporations, difference between non-profit and for-profit company and how they manage money, or is there? There are some nuances, but I would not say that they're different. Um, you know, nonprofits have, you know, that they have some regulatory things that they have to do related to their funding source, which is often grants and foundations and all of that, whether the funds are restricted funds or non-restricted funds and, and things of that nature, whereas a corporation doesn't have that. Corporations, typically their funding is coming from either capital, meaning some type of loan or what have you, or their revenues from their profits from the organization. So, But in terms of making money management decisions, as I was saying, a lot of it's fundamental. 
And so the goal is always I have this mission that I'm trying to accomplish, you know, on the corporate side. Maybe it is, you know, customer satisfaction or producing this product that, you know, has whatever the life expectancy is of the product or, or what have you, or the service, whereas a nonprofit. I like to say it's more like heart work. And so their mission typically is people or some type of um, mission or purpose or what have you, but that's what drives them. But each one of those require funding to get from point A to point B. It's just the source of that funding might be different, but each one of them have outcomes that they're trying to obtain. And money is required, whether it's the pens and papers to, you know, to make the flyers and the brochures, all of that. Each entity would have that. How they pay for that might look a little different. But with your eyes on the mission, that's going to dictate how much money you're going to put aside for that particular thing. You know, And when you run out of money, you run out of money. That would be true for both. And the mission then stops because it needs money to fuel that engine to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. So similarity, you know, there's nuances, but they're not really different. Okay. Now, I understand that you have a couple of books. Is it one or two books that you have? I have one that is published and one that is in process. So I hope to have that, um, you know, early 2019. Um, So I'm working diligently on trying to get that ready and published. But my first book is Bonafide Bits for Inspiration and Intellect Collide with Your Finances. Um, it can be purchased on my website, which is bonafidecc.com. If you're an e-reader, it can be purchased on Amazon. Um, the book is a quick, easy read, just 69 pages. It's broken down into the five categories versus chapters, um, representing the motto of my company, which is to educate, to empower, to evolve, to enlighten, and to enrich. And in, in those categories, you'll find an inspiration, gives you life application, and then a financial application of that inspiration, and there's 11 pithies, as I like to call them, in each one of the categories of the book. And I also have some T-shirts kind of expressing some of my um, sayings, one, the E5, which is the motto of my company, and then another, which is the um, hashtag GISCC, and that's what I say when you just can't explain it. That stands for God is so crazy cool. (laughs) And so um, I have those products. Yeah, it, it's and I've had a lot of hashtag GISCC moments in my life when, that have been absolutely amazing, and you just know that no other way, no other explanation except God had his hand in it. And so um, that's where that saying comes from. But, yeah, so hopefully your audience, you know, will pick up the book, makes an excellent Christmas gift, and we're now approaching quickly the holiday season, I can't believe, like, Thanksgiving is, like, next week, and then Christmas will be tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's just crazy how fast time is flying. Um, but, yeah, excellent stocking stuffers for your listeners. Mm-hmm. And I think we have another question from Jackie. Okay. Jackie, um, coming to you again. If not, just say hello. <laughs> okay, yes. Thank you so much again. And, uh, Pamela, thank you uh, again. Uh, the question is, uh, for those business owners who uh, are experiencing uh, less than satisfactory, say, FICA scores, and they're needing to address their credit, are there any bona fide, uh, credible programs uh, that they can participate in to help uh, correct any deficiencies they have in that area? 
Yes, actually that's what Bonafide Credit Consultants does. We do workshops and seminars and also one-on-one consultations um, around personal money management. Um, And this past year in June I did a seminar focusing, actually targeting women. It was an F5 uh, seminar, and the F5 stands for Fueling Financial Fire for Females. There will be another one of those. I haven't booked the date yet, but there will be another one of those seminars um, in early 2019. I'll do the Fueling Financial Fire for Females. I'll do a Fueling Financial Fire for Fellas, as well as a Fueling Financial Fire for Families. Um, But in the meantime and in between time, you could also um, engage Bonafide for a one-on-one consultation. Um, You can reach out to me via the website and um, completing the contact form, or just give me a call at 813-495-8568 or email me at info at bonafidecc.com. Do I spell bonafide because it... Yes, the bona fide is spelled different. It's B-O-N-A, B as in boy, O as in October, N as in Nancy, A as in apple, the number five, D as in dog, C as in cat, C as in cat.com. So info at bonafidecc.com. So <laughs> and you'll see me around town, so just toot your horn. That's my license plate, bonafide. <laughs> so. <laughs> and also she loves purple. Uh, I love purple. <laughs> almost claim the color. Yeah. <laughs> Very good in branding. Well, thank Anything you. Anything else, Jackie, you would like to ask? Uh, no, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Well, thank okay, you for the question, Miss Jackie. Okay, so what are some other things that you might want to share? I always give my guests an opportunity to do that because I never know what they really want to get out there if I don't ask the question. I may have missed the question you really want to um, horn in um, on. Other than, you know, stay tuned. Uh, check me out on all of my social media. Follow, make sure you're following my social media. That's where they'll get the information as it relates to when the F5 seminars will be occurring, when and where, the location, costs, and all of that. Um, also, that's where they will get the announcement about when the book number two will be out and ready for purchase, as well as where Bonafide will be appearing. Because I, you know, I'm very active in the community, so always here, there, and everywhere doing things related to personal money management as well as soft skills. So Bonafide doesn't only do um, workshops and things related to the personal money management side. I also do soft skills and other curriculum as well. Um, so yeah, just make sure they're following me on my on my social media. If they have questions, feel free, you know, to text me, to email me, um, to call me with regards to the questions and we can get consultations set up. And that's really it. Now I do have another Other question. Other than purchase their concerning... Christmas gifts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> regarding Mac um, Mayor's mm-hmm. African American Advisory Council. Um, uh-huh. You are, or you served as the Economic Stability Chair. What's mm-hmm. really involved in economic stability as it relates to an organization like that? And full disclosure, I was a fellow member, um, a past fellow member of that board as well. But I'm, I, hearing you speak today is a, at a whole different level. So I want to hear what you have to say about that today. Well, as far as Mac, I'm the previous chair. Um, the current chair, we're working on some initiatives, again, 
collaboratively wanting to partner with other organizations that also have a mission for economic impact in our community and putting together some event or events, plural, related to that vein. Because, again, when you think of personal money management, just so we were using the scenario in an individual small business corporation, in another vein, it is individual, family, community, you know, so on and so forth, that ripple effect when you throw that pebble in the water. And so for, for MAC, MAC being the African-American Advisory Board, we're looking at that dynamic from the perspective of African-Americans, empowering them, getting them the tools that they need to be a part of this conversation, part of this economic community you know, and, and if your personal finances aren't right, then that hinders, of course, entrepreneurship, which hinders, you know, multiple revenue streams and all of those things. It's so important. But the, the foundation, the core is individual. And so these organizations attempting to bring them all together, you know, because, of course, when you have a group, you can do better and more and larger events than if it is just one entity. And collaboratively, when you have the same mission, why would you have each organization trying to recreate the wheel when we can put all those resources together and do something collaboratively? And so that's going to be the goal for 2019 is to bring these various organizations who each in their own right have an economic arm wanting to impact or prepare individuals to be a part of this economic process. So. That's the goal for 2019 for MAC as it relates to the Economic Stability Board or committee. And specifically, women and women in finance and the construction industry, have you come across anything unique about that in terms of credit or funding or any of those kinds of things? I wouldn't say unique because, again, you know, it's it's wonderful NABWIC exists and, and, again, kind of bringing these women to get together in one um, organization because they have these challenges and hurdles, much like I had from the collection perspective. Because, of course, when you think construction, you immediately think men. And, and you know, that is the old school. That's old mentality. Women are bringing it to the table. As I like to say, we can bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're multifaceted that way. Um, so I wouldn't say that it's unique because, again, even if you're wanting to create a construction company or some arm or process that would be needed for construction, if you the entity is a new entity, it doesn't have credit. So that person or persons that are coming together for this, this business, a small business, their personal finance is going to be what's used to make the decisions if they can get the capital that's needed to get the business up and running or continuing to run or to stand in the gap for cash flows and, and all of that. So it's not unique in that regard. You know, it is still the same. So whether you're making widgets or you're building walls or doing drywall or baseboards or, you know, a corporate kind of job, administrative it's going to require capital, and until the business is up and running and an entity on its own, your personal finance is going to be the driver in the decision on whether you're going to get that funding or not. One on, one final question, unless you say something that prompts something else. <laughs> I was just thinking about the the, uh, the new ordinance that just passed about felons. 
What do you anticipate being the challenges and the opportunities in that arena? Oh, wow. Well, the challenge being, you know, uh, gosh, that's a tricky question. Um, Their ability to vote is very significant. And, you know, because they have been away from the process for so long, excluded from the process, it's going to be an educational journey as well because you don't want them just voting for the sake of vote. Like there needs to be some education. You You want them to know what they're voting for. That goes back to, you know, again, first I have to get over this, oh, wow, it's been so long. I mean, there's folks that haven't voted or had that right removed years, 30, 40, 50 years or what have you. So it's that celebration thing for sure. So I'm I'm so grateful that that has passed um, because there were so many things wrong with that on so many different levels. But, again, it does have an economic impact because who you put in office, whether it's the midterm or the regular elections, who you're putting in office is what affects our economy. And so they have to make educated decisions about who they're voting for and why they're voting for that individual. And the fact now that you have this whole populace, over a million people in Florida alone, that's going to be able to impact that. So it's going to shift. It's going to shift. And so when you're thinking about politicians and politics in general, they're all going to be seeking that one million vote because that can shift and sway everything as we know right now we're in this crux of you know recount and manual and machine and just all of that just think if you had these million people that would have possibly made that not necessary because it would have been not close at all a decision would have been clear and concise who the winner was right or it could have muddied the water even more so there's a lot of economic impacts that come from the ability to add a million more people overnight, in effect, to the voting pool. Amazing. So, and, 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 and then, of course, with these rights being restored, getting people in office, different platforms, what, they're, what they want to implement or what have you, that might then, in effect, open up some other doors that have been closed because of their past, but they paid their debt. So if these doors open, you know, entrepreneurship, you know, who knows what impacts that could have. You know, jobs that now they weren't able to have because of their past record. Certain people in office might make some changes in that regard. And so now they're in the workforce making a mark in a positive way, corporately or what have you. The possibilities are endless. You know, just because someone has made a bad decision or what have you doesn't mean that, oh, my gosh, they have zero intellect. You know, they could be a rocket scientist. They could could have the cure for cancer. Exactly. You know, you think, I had nothing but time on my hands, so I read a lot. You know, and that's the story of a lot of them. So they're very intellectual, Mm -hmm. you know, highly educated. They may not have the degrees and the alphabet behind their name, but having the letters in the alphabet does not remove the knowledge that you have attained. And, you know, our grandparents and four people say that, you know, knowledge is power. And knowledge and what you have in your – no one can ever take that away from you. And so even with those things removed, meaning the alphabet behind your name, you could be as educated, the best qualified, the most knowledgeable on any and all subject matters because you've read 
and you're versed and you you thrive on education and life experiences and all of those things are what we need to evoke change. And they weren't able to even be at the table. And so now this is just the beginning of getting them at the table so the world can hear what they have to say and what they have to offer. So it is endless possibilities of what all of this means, you know, not only, you know, for that individual, but for us as a society, you know, and thus by default, economically, the impact could be very significant. And with that, I say thank you for a wonderful discussion. Thank you and, for having uh, me. <laughs> you're welcome. And I can truly say that Pamela McCoy is a bona fide expert. Oh, thank you. I thought you'd like that. <laughs> yes, I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's been a delight um, hearing you share information this morning. So thank you again. And to my listening audience, thank you. And for those of you that ask questions and or just listened in, I totally appreciate you. And come back next week for another wonderful show on NAVWIC Talks. Take care. This concludes our show. Thank you for listening to NAVWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction. For more information about NAVWIC and our membership, please visit us on the web at www.nabwic.org. We are the voice of black women in construction. Have a great and prosperous day.